SeatGeek is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase. Welcome back to the Sports Beat KC podcast. This is Jesse Newell, KUB reporter for the Kansas City Star. I'm joined once again this week by CJ Moore, both the Athletic and Bleacher Report. CJ, how you doing this week? Jesse, I'm doing pretty well. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Uh, it's crazy. I we kind of planned on doing a podcast, but then this ended up being sort of the perfect day to do it because something unexpected happened on Wednesday night <laughs> in Kansas City. KU, a 22 point favorite, loses 74 to 65 to Washington. So we're gonna break that down. Get to a few of your Twitter questions at the end here. But uh, first off, CJ, let's just start discussing that. I, I guess. I mean, I I with the quick scout, I had picked. Washington to cover. I saw a couple things that I liked about Washington, how they got back in transition and how they could force some fouls, which maybe could, you know, exploit some depth issues for KU. But at no point did I think that Washington would hang in this game or be competitive. So I guess what were your first reactions when you, or first impressions when you saw that game and saw what Washington was able to do to Kansas? Yeah, I thought KU played a pretty crummy game. Um, it's not super, super shocking. I think a, a couple things hit right for Washington. One being that Kansas had just come off playing Syracuse, and you'd think at, about it like, okay, well, yeah, Kansas just played a zone, like they should be even more prepared for it. But I think Mike Hopkins was able to use that tape against Kansas yes. and basically saw the areas where they really hurt Syracuse and made sure they wouldn't hurt KU and or wouldn't hurt Washington in that way. And one major, major way, you know, I, I think everybody saw this, obviously. You know, they they basically hugged the perimeter, hugged the three-point line. They didn't let KU get any room and rhythm, like jump shots. But um, one major difference that they made, I mean, basically that kind of goes with this, is when Legero Vic would get against Syracuse, the zone would kind of collapse. Either go score real quick, make a pass to the guy in the short corner, you know, basically lob. Or a lot of times it was open to get it back out to Devontae Grant, top of the key three, and it was top of the key three, top of the key three, top of the three key, over and over and over again. And they took that option completely away. And that basically took Graham out of the game. And um, so I thought that was a really, really smart kind of calculated risk he took because he did give LeGero Vick a lot of, you know, easy open looks in the middle. But I don't know if they were so easy because the five to ten foot shot is something that guys never work on, and that it's kind of awkward little shot there. And then also, Legero Vic's not used to getting the ball in that area of the floor and attacking that way. And another thing is like no one's used to shooting that much, so he he kind of got indecisive at one point. Like, should I really be shooting this many times in a basketball game? So I know some people are you know critical of Legero Vic today and it's like yeah it was probably the fakest 28 points you'll ever see and it wasn't like a great 28 point perform point performance try saying point performance over 10 times fast Jesse. <laughs> but uh it, it was uh you know part of it was it was just an awkward place to put him and I, I just got done talking to Rob Doster and he had an interesting suggestion that maybe KU sh- could have explored he thought KU should have put Devontae Graham in there yeah he's your best I, player I, I mentioned that last night throw, why, why, throw not, him in the why not switch yeah. LeGerald Vick and Devontae Graham he could be your playmaker on the inside I, I think from a um you do want somebody with a little more length in there in that spot I guess is a is an easier target 
to, to get the ball to. But um, that, that might have been something worth exploring because I thought it just got like mental exhaustion for LeGerald Vick. And he did throw Marcus Garrett in there a little bit, and I, I thought he did okay. Maybe they could have thrown him in a little bit more in that spot. Um, you know, Jesse, you and I actually talked about it. I thought he was a, a good fit in the middle of the zone before the Syracuse game. We talked about that. But um, yeah, it just it just was it's just such a weird game, and you almost you don't want to like take too much out of it. Not many teams play a lot of zone in in college. Um, now, obviously, K was going to see some more of it because it gave him some problems. But you know, the only team that zones a lot in the Big Twelve is Baylor, and I've watched Baylor a decent amount this year. I think they got some real problems, and I I don't think they're that good. So. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see, but it, it did expose some 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 things for Kansas. We can get into that, but I've been talking for a while, so I'm going to throw it to you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm just interested. I think moving forward, I think is what I'm interested in because I've heard a lot of people talk about this game, and I just I don't really know what to take from it because you said you know you mentioned okay, this is a blueprint maybe for beating Kansas, or teams can run the zone, or the tape is out there. But I agree with you. I don't think that that's really the case. You know, these teams don't play 2-3 zone all the time like Syracuse and Washington do. So you're basically throwing something completely new into practice. And not only that, like, if Bill Self doesn't figure out a way to beat that right now, today, you know, the next day after this loss, uh, you know, then he wouldn't be a Hall of Fame coach. And so I I just – I find it hard to believe that this is, like, truly something that could hurt KU down the line just because – I think they just ran into something really funky. You know, like, it was something... And you're right, with LeGerald Vick, I'll say this. Looking back at the film, I don't think Yudoka Azubuki did LeGerald any favors because basically what was happening was when LeGerald was getting at the high post, it was a two-on-one every single time. And Yudoka was kind of like trying to box that man and pin that man and and I, I post up that man. And it's like, at that point, go hit somebody else and make yourself available for a lob play... Uh, because that is going to be the best thing for KU moving forward because you can just throw it over the top and get the lob. So, you know, we'll see what happens with uh, with KU moving forward, but I'm just not convinced that this is something offensively it's going to face much down the line just because of all the crazy things that happened last night and the weird circumstances. Let's look ahead, and there, there's there's two points I want to make, kind of what we can take from this and maybe concerns going forward if, if you want to you know take two concerns out of this game for for kansas one i think you know I, I made this point on twitter last night and it's always been a pet peeve of mine and self he i feel like he's he's changed a little bit and that he a, a lot of coaches when a guy gets two fouls they instantly go on the bench and there's been times a lot of past few years where you know oregon game last year for instance he brought josh jackson back um, you know, I don't feel like he throws – he automatically doesn't bring a guy back anymore. I think he used to. I think some some guys he does now. I thought the game really changed last night when the, those two got two fouls. They brought in Clay Young. You're playing a 6-3 center. And Washington exposed them. They, they, they went inside every time at Young – either tried to score on him or drew the double and kicked it out. Kicked it out to the opposite wing. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. a gif in my story about that. And Mike Hopkins talked about that. He's, he thought that Noah could really create attention and then kick it out and get them open three-pointers. Not a great three-point shooting team, but if you've got you know time and rhythm, open you're going to make yeah. them. Yeah. Exactly. You're, you're a college basketball player who plays on the perimeter. Like You're going to make shots like that. The, the other big thing that it did was I thought that's when the game swung because when you're Washington – 
you come into that game, okay, maybe you're, you're trying to talk yourselves into, oh, we got a chance. We can play with these guys. But do you really think that? And late in that half, I think they got the confidence to think, okay, we can get, we can actually win this game. And if KU, I think, plays, if, if Self plays one of his bigs down the stretch of the first half, I think KU goes into the locker room with a lead, maybe a five-point lead, and the game maybe plays out a little bit differently. I thought that's kind of when the, the, the game swung, and that's when Washington got a lot of confidence. And then you also, you know, as a bouquet sits for a while, I think guys get out of rhythm when they sit that long. So I think you have to trust, even though, you know, both those guys are foul-prone, the, the the minutes at that point in the game matter just as much as, as the minutes in the second half. And I, I, I thought Self did make a mistake sitting them. And, you know, looking looking at it now, it's easy to say that because Azubuke ended up with three fouls and Lightfoot ended up with two and barely even played in the second half. So the one major takeaway I had, in, before I make my second point, Jesse, any, any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think that the problem that KU has right now um, – yeah, and listen, this has been a debate over time. I know Ken Pomeroy tried to tackle this, and a lot of guys maybe are too conservative when it comes to playing, especially guards when they get two fouls, because guards are not as foul-prone as big men. But I know people go back and forth about this. I think the bigger concern for Kansas with Devon, or I'm sorry, with Yudoka Azabuki getting in foul trouble is the last two games when he's gotten in foul trouble, what he's looked like in the second half with foul trouble, which is mm-hmm. not a rim protector and passive and not aggressive and not blocking shots and not doing what he does inside because he's worried about coming off of the floor. So I think what the bigger concern to me is is not that he's getting two quick fouls and sitting on the bench. The bigger concern is that's making him an ineffective second-half player and KU's defense is completely tanked. You saw one of the guards come around a, a, a pick-and-roll and Yudoka was kind of supposed to be in the lane to protect it and he just comes straight around and, and a straight-line dunk you know, nobody in the lane, and and that's the sort of play that shouldn't happen for Kansas, but again, it's the sort of play that's happened more often in the last two games, because Udoka seems to be a little bit more timid, or actually a lot more timid when he's gotten those two fouls, because he wants to stay on the floor. And that's fair, and that's a really, really, really good point, and probably the best um, argument against not playing him there, but I thought it also hurt Kansas on the offensive end, because when Vic got the ball, and you have Clay Young down there, you don't have a threat on the baseline. Like, you can't throw the lob because Clay Young's not going to jump over the rim and get it because <laughs> he's incapable because he's a 6'3 <laughs> walk on. So, it basically made KU play four on five for a little bit. And it not only hurt them defensively, but it hurt them offensively as well. So, you know, the, the, the larger point is if this team doesn't get another big guy, and who knows if they're going to at this point, you know, we all know the two options Billy Preston and Silvio de Sousa if one of those two guys doesn't get eligible and able to play then I think it's going to be an issue for Kansas going forward and I think Jesse you and I both can sit here today and honestly say we have no idea whether they'll get one of those guys or whether they'll get both yeah it's it's up in the air right now I still do think the Preston thing is going to be something's going to happen with it here in the next week I mean it seems like that it that that Things are moving toward that direction, but I think you make a good point. It's still, I mean, it's crazy when you go back and watch the zone, and I know I just want to keep talking about it, but like you said, so many times when you get the ball in the middle of the zone, people collapse to the ball. And it was amazing watching the zone. Like when LeGerald Vick got the ball, like the defenders went in the opposite direction. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just crazy. Like when he got the ball, like the defender on the top went and guarded Devontae Graham, and the other defender went and guarded Svi Mikhailuk. 
So it's yeah. like they ran away from him. So, I, listen, I understand what you're saying about Clay Young. I agree with you. And I, I definitely agree, like, KU did not scheme this thing well and kind of was unprepared for it when they faced it. I also will say this, and 100% agree with your point on the drill. Like, I mean, you can't put all the blame on him. Obviously, it was kind of a weird situation to be put in where he basically needed to score 60 points and, and just completely take a game over, and that seems weird in a team concept game. But when he got the ball and turned around the high post, there was nobody around him. And not only that, there was nobody coming to him. So if you can compose yourself, you have you and, yes, a six foot eleven shot blocker in front of you. But, my goodness, like, go get a running start and, and leap at him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the dude yeah. is athletic. And, and you saw that yeah. a couple times early in the second Put half. Put it on like, his head. Exactly. Like, LeGerald, that's what he did. He got the ball to the high post. He turned around. There was nobody around him. He took two dribbles and just basically laid it up right over the big man. Or, like you said, if you go dunk it on his head, the guy's in the, the charge arc. You're going to get fouls on him pretty quickly, and then they don't have their 6 for 11 guy. You basically do to, or, to Washington what Washington did to you, which is take the big men out of the game. So I understand your point about Clay Young. It, it just It's almost – and, again, I don't want to put it too much on, on Gerald Vick. It's just – it's so weird. You don't see this happen with Kansas very often. Like, they – Bill Self is such a good in-game adjuster, and they're so good with the X's and O's, and they're so good at scheming up plays. And, and this, it just cracked the code. I mean, it's just it's something you don't see very often, and so uh, that's just made, what made it such a weird game. And I know I tweeted out like, Lajero Vic had 28 points and got completely exposed. I just don't know if I'll ever see that sort of thing again. I'm not sure if you'll ever see that sort of thing again, but it feels like a one-off. It feels like something that won't be replicated. However, KU's defense, more concerns about them, CJ. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. It was, it was one point I want to make. It's, it's almost like um, I used to love to do this to big guys. You know, when when you're playing a big guy in the post and you throw it to him, big guys want to feel you, right? Mm-hmm. So have you ever seen a guy pull the chair, like the expression pull the chair? Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. you're on him and then you, you, you back off. And and like they, a lot of yeah. times they'll end up traveling. Like that, like basically what Syracuse – or what? sorry, what Washington last night is they pulled the chair out on the Gerald Vick <laughs> and, and it was really awkward for him. Like he yeah. wanted guys to go him. So, you know, we've, we've talked enough about that little area of the game, but, uh, the, the, the other, the other big thing takeaway I have for, okay. Like you said, a lot of teams aren't, you know, not everybody's going to zone Kansas because coaches aren't going to get away necessarily from what they do yes. on a game to game basis. Um, and even if they do play the zone, they're not going to be maybe as effective at it. If I'm playing man-to-man defense against Kansas, I'm going to be hugging those shooters on the perimeter, and I'm going to be trying to make them to make put the ball on the floor and get by me. And that's the concern, kind of we've talked about with the KU guards from the summer, from the, from the summer, from from all season. Like, do they have the guys to get by people like that? And um, you know, I think Svee's shown some better off the bounce. Um, game th- th- this year and actually wrote a bunch about that that I finished yesterday. The story was supposed to run tomorrow and now it's not going to. I think they're <laughs> going to hold it because of, of that result. So gosh darn it. They hate how those things work out sometimes. Well, wait a minute. Wait, but, a, minute, uh, wait a minute. You wrote about Sveezus? Like I wrote about Sveezus. I mean, that seems like it should be illegal, right? I mean, it's, it's kind of like a mother writing about her son or something like that. It's a good old love fest about about <laughs> It's it's about his growth. You know, I think I think the people like it. But uh, anyway, um, so you know, Svi, the the way to play him is to try to get him to attack the you know put it put it on the floor and not let him get r- rhythm jumpers. Same thing with Graham. You you 
you know, he's done a little bit better going to the basket, but um, you don't want him getting rhythm jumpers. Um, so I think teams will will kind of do this defense just in a man-to-man setting where they really do hug the perimeter. And the, the one advantage Kansas has in those situations is you can get some one-on-one matchups for Udoka as a bouquet. And I was, I was talking about with Rob about Florida, you know, Florida's kind of got the, the, a similar thing. Like the, they've got their rhythm offense. They've, they're very reliant on the three, but the difference between a Kansas and a Florida is Kansas does have a guy that can throw it down to in the post. So if, if some team does to try that kind of the man version of what Washington did last night, it will help that, that Udoka can get some post touches and he's going to have space to work. And he's, he's been, I think, better than both you and I expected at, at working from, from the blocks this season. So, well, and I will say this, CJ, you talk about the man version of this. Um, that's what Toledo played. If you remember, if you think back to what Toledo did, basically they did not help off of anyone. They said, not going to let KU shoot three-pointers over and over and over again. And so what happened in that game, uh, Devontae Graham scored 35 points. You know, Devontae Graham got by his man in KU's little four game. He got to the lane. He waited to see if the big man was going to commit to him. He didn't, and then he shot little short floaters in the lane. He shot little layups, and KU won 96-58. to 58. So, again, KU can attack this in different ways, uh, but in that game, kind of like we talked about earlier, the person who made the plays for Kansas in that sort of setting when they weren't helping off players was Devontae Graham. And so, again, this is we're not going to make too much of this because I, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, we are. I'm, 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 I'm it's a podcast. You. It's a podcast. But I'm, I'm with you. I'm with Rob. Like, like, the easiest solution in the world is you make LeGerald Vic your point guard. He was going to be a backup point guard for you anyway. Against this zone, you put Devontae Graham right in the middle of it, and then you let him attack that zone like you did Toledo, and, yeah. and he scores a zillion points or gets a zillion lobs to Yudok Azubuki because he's the team's best passer. So, um, But I just wanted to point that out, that you know, if we're talking to talk gloom and doom and how, hey, every team can do this to Kansas, well, the team two games ago tried to do this to, to Kansas and completely got run out of the gym because you know Devontae Graham was completely on his game. So uh, we'll see how teams attack KU defensively. But you know, this is always what happens in sports and football and baseball and, and basketball. Basketball, you do one thing, you try to counter it. It's a game of adjustments over and over again. But we'll see how KU kind of adjusts to the adjustment now as teams start to scout them in a different way. You ready to take a couple uh, Twitter questions, no, CJ? No, I, I, I got, I got, I'm not done yet, Jesse. Okay, I'm not done. Go. <laughs> my my response to to your Toledo point was that that's Toledo. Oh, jeez. Like I mean, come on, he's getting guarded by little Toledo dudes who aren't that hey, athletic. Uh, hey, CJ. Meanwhile. Um, Toledo, what you think their rank is in Ken Palm? I don't care. One fifty-four. What was what was Washington's before last night? One. Yeah, but they're not Power Five athletes. Oh come and, on, and, and, CJ! Well, well, don't give Jesse, me this Power Five stuff. Come on, they're not the same for, team. Jesse, how? No, come on. You recruited a different level, a different type of athlete it's a for first Power year Five. Coach, they, here's, they, here's, they fired here's what, their coach. They thought they were getting Michael Porter Jr. This is not. Yeah, I mean, no, no, no. They had a really good recruiting coach. He just couldn't. Went out and got a guy who could coach. <laughs> okay. Fair. All right. That's fair, right? Like Lorenzo Romar's problem wasn't getting players. His problem was coaching them up. They actually went out and got a guy who could coach. I'm not. I'm so, not. Listen, I'm not Toledo bashing. That's all I'm saying. I, I'm not Toledo bashing. All right. All right. But but let's look at the you know very 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 small sample size. But what has KU done against Power Five teams? Against Kentucky, 92A efficiency against Syracuse 108-2 against Washington 90 92-9. T- 
So you know, it's 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 really early, and it's that's a super small sample size. I, but, hey, but you're also not singling out younger athletes. They've they've struggled a little bit offensively. Well, let me go to this factor as well because you're not singling out all the factors either. What do those three games also have in common? Away from Allen Fieldhouse. Away from Allen Fieldhouse. So I mean, that could so be that's, a factor that's as well. A factor as well, it does it does for sure. All right, so. Do you want to talk defense, though? You want to hit on that real Let's quick? Let's do it. Or is, is there a Twitter question that, that, that hits on that? Uh, I, I don't think there is, so go ahead. I, d- defensively, the larger point looking forward is, and something we've talked about already, is this Kansas team, to be good on the defensive end, has to be super, super active and play with, with kind of max effort and, and you know just kind of make the other team – uncomfortable with their energy and, and bouncing around kind of all over the place. And I just got done this morning watching Villanova and Gonzaga and, and, and Nova plays small a lot too. You know, they play a lot of small lineups and watching those guys and how active they were. And, you know, Jay Wright does a nice job of kind of switching up defenses. And, and you know, we saw that against Kansas a couple of years ago. He, yep. he throws you out of your rhythm that way. But, but even when they're just in man, Man, their guys are flying all over the place. And I thought KU's energy level on that end last night was super, super average and can't be how they play because they don't have a weapon like Josh Jackson at the four who you know, was a defensive weapon last year. They're not as talented defensively this year. And their numbers are good so far. You know, they're, they're, Their advanced numbers are pretty good, but I think it's because there's been some games where they have been jumping around and been active and, and when they do that they, they they defend pretty well and it's nice to have Azubuke back there as, as that rim protector to kind of so you can't be a little over aggressive but whether it was Washington you know maybe not respecting your opponent coming in uh, maybe the arena being a little dead and and from from what I heard was the Sprint Center a little dead last night I wasn't able to make it there and yeah you know, there were lot, TV, lot, lots of people but it was it, was, it seemed kind of yeah. seemed kind of like a dead atmosphere so um you know, I, I think Kansas has to learn from that and learn, hey, we can get real average real quick, defend, or we can get, just get downright bad defensively if we're not jumpy and active, and they've got to get back to, to, to doing that. Well, let me ask you this, CJ, because this seems like kind of the million-dollar question that you're leading up to, which is, is this a depth issue right now? I mean, let me read Devontae Graham's minutes the last two games, 40 and 40. Um, how easy is it going to be for KU to maintain the energy level it needs to play well defensively? We've talked about how their steal rate is way up defensively, how they're getting way more turnovers than past years because they're small and they're quick and they're able to be active. Can you keep that up over the course of the season when you're playing seven guys? And when, when those seven guys, some of them are playing, you know, 38, 39, 40 minutes. No, I, th- I do think you need more more guys. I think you need more players. And, and, and the add another post guy or two will help because – then you can steal, you know, play. While they're still going to play small a lot, I think they're, if they get another post guy, they will play big some. And that's a way to rest, you know, a Devontae Graham um, or, you know, some Svee or what, you know, it's, it's just too, it's, it is hard. And I think it's a time of year too. Um, th- this will sound like an excuse, but finals are coming up. I think this is a time of year when I, I remember just being in college. This was a year, time of year where you kind of get kind of tired. Um, just as even as a student, so they they kind of looked like that last night. Like they 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 traveled this weekend, you know. Final, they just looked kind of like a tired team. They've been playing a lot of minutes, so yeah, it, it depth probably plays a little bit of a factor in that. 
Yeah, and the other thing, I, listen, if we're going to talk about how Washington was able to kind of have a game plan, I wrote about this, you know, put no threes up on the marker board. You know, we also kind of have to talk about KU's defense and what is trending towards right now because KU gives up a ton of three-pointers defensively. And we saw with what Noah was able to do against Kansas, how, you know, he draws a double team, KU helps, KU's trying to avoid foul trouble. That help inside creates open three-pointers on the perimeter. And, you know, so far KU has kept its three-point percentage defense. Uh, The other teams are not shooting well from three-point range, but... If you ask Ken Pomeroy, if you ask the advanced stats, stats experts, that's something that usually evens out over time. That's not something you usually have much control over, if any control over. And so this team, if it continues to give up a bunch of three-pointers, it, this might be kind of the shoe that drops, just that you allow those dangerous shots, you allow teams to score three at a time. Uh, this is kind of something that could bite you. So, again, KU's interior defense has been good, and Yudok Azubuki wasn't a great rim protector last night, but uh, he has been at times this year, so has Mitch Lightfoot when he's been in. But for right now, when you give up that high number of threes, even when you're playing a a bad shooting team like we talked about, room and rhythm, you're going to make them. And I don't know if that's a concern that is even on KU's coaching staff's radar, but I think you see just as as dangerous as a three-point shot can be for KU offensively, I think it can be just as much of a detriment defensively if the Jayhawks don't start to get out to shooters better. Yeah, and kind of looking forward just in the short term, uh, who's next on the schedule? Arizona State. <laughs> yes. They have the most efficient offense in college basketball. They're shooting 42% from three. They're attempting nearly 41% of their shots from three. They also get to the line at a higher rate than any team in the country. I think Washington was ninth. They're number one. So so that's, that's kind of scary. But on the defensive end, they give up over 45% of opponents' attempts from three so kansas has to like that yeah and they play up tempo and opponents are shooting almost 37 percent so bet the over yeah well that over is gonna be pretty high i would think it's gonna be about <laughs> as high as you can get and you know ku that could be look resemble it, an NBA it could be game. a fun game yeah that could i mean that could be 100 to 95 yeah. it really could be depending on how fast those two teams want to play let's get quickly to some of these twitter questions uh let's see well let's go with Okay, Bobby Monorell, he's going to ask uh, a question that I've heard from a lot of people. After last night, how bad does Kansas need Billy Preston now? The lack of depth was pretty apparent last night, especially in the first half. So did that game and that loss signal to you that KU needs Billy Preston more than previous games? No, just because I felt like all year for, for Kansas to do what Kansas wants to do, excuse me, long term, they need one more big body. So... I mean, it would it would strengthen the argument from what you saw last night, but I felt like that all along. Like they 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 can't continue. It's going to be hard to continue like this all season with just two true post players. Like you need a third guy, and whether that's the football player or whatever, like they, 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 they it, it's going to be much better off if they get another big body. And you know, to be honest, it's it's really tough for Mitch Lightfoot to play. Like that's that's not. especially when you're playing four small around him like it's not a great situation for him so they need either Preston or DeSouza they really 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 need one of those guys and and if not one of those guys gets eligible then then that's concerning I I think Kansas can still win a big 12 without without them but I don't know that they can go on a on a deep deep run in March without another big body or or even two you brought up Sosinski. Andrew Allen asks, can we blame Sosinski for the loss last night? Has the KU football team bad mojo infected the KU basketball locker room? 
I think that's huh. uh, that's that's written very much with sarcasm <laughs> font, but I think it is kind of funny that this just kind of happened to sync up this way. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I, that's a joke. I'll, I'll, I'll take it as a joke. It's a good joke. It's a good joke. Yeah, just like KZPR guy who says, is football now the flagship program at KU? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing lots of sarcasm font in the uh, Twitter questions here. Uh, Patrick Sheehan with a, a question just kind of uh, – was the one that I think a lot of fans have wondered about. What's thinking this before the Washington game, he says, but if KU's current red team were in the Big 12, where would they finish? So you're talking about Charlie Moore, the Lawson brothers, Billy Preston, and uh, who's the fifth one? I guess, you know. Cunliffe. Cunliffe, yep. Yeah. Um, I would think pretty low because the Big 12 is pretty good this year, CJ. I mean, that would be my answer. Probably 10th because – I mean, if you've got – like, let's say say you can add just like two or three – Big Twelve caliber bench pieces because you know obviously they can't just play five guys. Well, let's right? go. Let's go from the bottom here. Okay, Iowa State. Who would you take? No, I, I'll I'll go ahead and say I'd, I would put that group is like probably third in the Big Twelve. What third? Wow. Well, you do love I, you do love Diedrich though. I'm I'm drinking that Diedrich Lawson Kool Aid, <laughs> and I'm drinking it hard <laughs> like he he's the best player on KU's campus right now well, that is that is she, drinking, and my dog just agrees with me. that is here that's drinking it hard yeah she your dog is uh saying wow this kool-aid over here is really really strong um I'm going I'm going 10th I don't think so but uh that's you're, you're just, you you would say the red team is 10th yeah Jesse seriously <laughs> 10th in the big 12 Come on, CJ. I mean, okay, so Charlie. If 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 you, if you can throw like a couple average bench pieces. No, no, no. Pieces that's fine. That's fine. I mean, shots, right? I I don't know. I don't know about Charlie Moore. Um, KJ Lawson was not. Okay, Charlie was not Moore was one of the best freshmen in the Pac-12. Like I don't I don't know if he's going to be sensational at Kansas, but he was a really really good freshman at Cal last year. Okay, uh, KJ Lawson. Don't really know much about. He's kind of average. Okay, whatever. Diedrich Lawson. Okay, you. Well, again, I know you're drinking the Kool Aid, but again, you know, we'll see. All American um, caliber player. Okay, Sam Cunliffe, a guy that uh, he's going to get a few minutes for KU, going to help their depth. It doesn't seem like uh, he's going to get too many minutes in the rotation. Not somebody that Bill Start, Self's going to rely on. Started as a. Okay, I don't think he's going to play a lot, but started as a freshman at Arizona State on a roster that is looking a little better now than it maybe did a year ago. Okay. okay, and then and then Billy Preston, who you know, and is a McDonald's All American. McDonald's All American. Um, okay, but here's my main point: Iowa State is the worst Big Twelve team. They're 62nd in Ken Palm. Oklahoma State's second worst. They're 50. I mean, it would be a stretch for that team to be a top 50 team. So okay, maybe they're eighth. Or I don't think it'd be a stretch, but you know, whatever. And okay. Bill Self's coaching them. Well, again, now now we're adding variables in here. <laughs> now we're adding. Now we're adding layer upon layer. I mean, we have to. We have to. Who's going to coach them? Then? <laughs> okay, Bill Self coaches them. Then they're probably better than than tenth. I'll give you that. Yeah, I'm, you you need to. I need to pass over my my Diedrich Kool Aid to you a little bit. <laughs> it must so, taste. It, it must so taste mighty good. Their they're not finishing tenth. There's some. I mean, the Big Twelve is pretty good this year, but Iowa State's not good, and Oklahoma State's not good, and um, you know nobody else in the league has somebody as good as Diedrich Lawson. So yeah, I'm, I'm fi- saying they, they, they finished fairly, fairly high. If they're coached by Bill Self and you throw a couple average bench pieces on them. I think KU could conceivably be maybe, you know, is probably going to be more talented next year than, than they are this year. Well, definitely more deep. I, I think there's no question about that. Okay. More Marcus, deep. Marcus yeah. Ramirez. And, and, go, go ahead. 
No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've, I've made my Dietrich Lawson point. Okay. Marcus Ramirez has a comment, and I am not going to comment on it. I'm going to let you comment on it because I don't want to get myself oh, in trouble. That's nice. Oh, thanks, Jesse. Sure, no problem. <laughs> you'll, you'll understand why here. CBS moved KU down 22 spots to number 24. Should Gary Parrish pull attack himself? Yeah, he should. Come on, Gary. Seriously? They're 24. He has them 24th? 24th. What was it? I haven't read it yet. What was his justification? Uh I I haven't read it. Um. Well, I, we I feel like I feel like we should at least read whatever he said. But yeah, he should pull attack himself. I mean, let's go to Ken Palm. What's what's KUM Ken Palm? Third. Yeah. Third. Yeah, that's 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 a little. Uh, they beat. Where's it? Where's he have Kentucky? Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I'm sure higher yeah, than twenty fourth. I'm loading it right now. He has Kentucky sixth. All right, yeah, yeah, he should pull attack himself. I can't, I can't <laughs> comment, CJ. I cannot comment. Love Gary too. Good, good, good man. He's he's already pull attacked you, hasn't he? Twice, two out of four. I'm batting five hundred. Oh, two out of four. What? what I, uh, I I feel like I read the first. What was the first one that you did? Uh, I ranked West Virginia ahead of Texas A&M after the first performance, and then on the second one, uh, oh, I I left Arizona ranked in the poll two weeks ago so the second one where'd you, where'd you have arizona uh 22 or 23 somewhere in that range i'm 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 good with that that's that's fine but um it, it's it's so tough because i mean what do you have to base it on the results and yeah based off the results they're not a top 25 team but if we're being honest with ourselves that, that team's absolutely a top 25 team so i understand that what was your justification on West Virginia and A and M? I just I was one of the highest pollsters on A and M coming into the game and West Virginia, but I, I in my preseason ballot I had taken like look at all the advanced rankings and kind of weighed them on a spreadsheet and by the end of it, um, you know West Virginia was higher than A and M and I just thought for that game in particular when you're playing on at one a.m. on an Air Force base in Germany overseas and that sort of result happens that. I wasn't going to completely throw it out. I moved one up, I moved one down, but I just thought that I'm not going to base everything off of head-to-head results because, as we know, uh, head-to-head results are not reliable, especially in one-game samples. <laughs> um, was these teams are close enough that we that's all we have to, to base it off of, and you have to. I, I do think you have to take it into account a little bit, but rankings are so hard and meaningless. <laughs> so it, it it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I, I do think at this point in the season, A and M is is better than than West Virginia. But um, you know, when, once Issa Ahmad gets back, that that could maybe change. I mean, West Virginia A and M's got much better talent, but but West Virginia's got Bob Huggins. So. Um, We'll see, but uh, I, I do really like uh, A&M's talent this year. Tyler Davis is, is one of my favorite dudes in the country. That guy's underrated and a, a stud. But, uh, yeah, you uh, I guess you look better now because Arizona just beat A&M, so there you go. Yeah, West Virginia also has won eight straight since that opener, so it's not like they have been uh, – they've had bad performances either, a big win over Virginia this week as well. Let's wrap it up there, CJ. Uh, any other comments before we wrap it up and uh, get to the next week with KU basketball, this crazy game, Arizona State versus the Jayhawks? No, no, it was it was, uh, it was fun. I feel like we got we got some things off my chest. It was an interesting game, and, and credit to, to Mike Hopkins because, man, he came up with a 
with a pretty interesting game plan and it it could have looked really really bad but it ended up looking really really good so it was it was one of those like big time risk and um you know Syracuse is probably wishing they uh they could have kept him around because I'll I'll be honest I've been up to a Syracuse practice before and that dude would coach them in practice so he's he's been like basically like a head coach for a while like maybe he's not doing the in-game stuff but like Syracuse practices at least the ones I went to Jim Beheim was out sitting in the stands and Mike Hobbins was coaching them so I think Washington might have got them a, uh, a a good one in uh, in Hopkins yeah good guy friendly guy uh great to talk to you last time when I pulled him uh, so the opposite know. of Jim Beheim. Uh, <laughs> we'll leave that one there, CJ. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll just move on. I, 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 I probably, probably, probably shouldn't go there, but he's he's not the nicest dude. Uh, I think that's a that's a fair and accurate statement from seeing those two coaches back to back. They are very much not alike when it comes to personality. Very very different when it comes to the media. Yeah, I, I will say that. Yes. All right, for CJ, this is Jesse. We're gonna wrap up the Sports BKC podcast. Be sure to tune in for another episode next week. is the easiest way to find the best deals on tickets to pretty much any live event. Concerts, sports, theater, comedy, whatever you want. Download the SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SEATS to save $20 on your first purchase.